and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Hi, right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in. Miller and Condon on a Tuesday, 1460 KXNO on the FM, on the AM dial, on the FM dial. We're 106.3 wherever you are listening. We appreciate that you're doing just that as Trent Condon and Ken Miller spend the next couple of hours uh, talking sports and localizing as best as we can here uh, in the next couple of hours. The BMW of Des Moines guest list has three fine names on it. Uh, Frank Schwab will join us at the bottom of the hour. A couple of reasons. Uh, Frank uh, covers, uh, works for YahooSports.com. He's a terrific writer over there. Uh, he covers the NFL. We'll do uh, some NFL conversation with Frank. Also does a good gambling piece. It seems like he's taken over the sports wagering role, writing role at YahooSports.com. It keeps him busy, which I'm guessing is just fine with Frank. He's also a Wisconsin alum, so probably get his take on uh, Barry Alvarez, who uh, walks away uh, retiring. Uh, 10.30 for Frank Schwab. Uh, he's guest number one. Leading off the t- uh, second hour of the program, Michael Swain covers Iowa State at 24-7 Sports. We'll get the latest on Iowa State with Michael Swain. Of course, Jamie Pollard uh, signs the extension. Any thought I would think of him taking over for Barry Alvarez, which was going to be mentioned. I'm not saying it was going, but uh, be foolish not to at least kick the tires uh, to gauge interest on after all he was there uh, under Alvarez for a long time when he get here 2005 I want to say Pollard uh, made his way to Ames it's been a while but still has had a very effective role um and just most recently, I mean, she's leaving Indianapolis this morning as he was part of that selection committee. And then uh, James Fagan, who covers the Chicago White Sox for The Athletic. We uh, missed uh, James Fagan prior to the start of the regular season as we tried to cover all of the regional teams. Of course, Cappy was able to do that, but James Fagan uh, covers the White Sox and we'll get the latest on uh, the Pale Hose uh, coming up at 11.25. College basketball is over. College sports. Sports is over. A big thank you from all of us who watch college sports. Uh, for uh, putting up with uh, what you had to put up with to entertain us, and you certainly did, including last night, as the Baylor Bears kick the crap physically and on the floor uh, out of Gonzaga, who didn't know what hit them. I told you Ken Miller is going to be a blowout. You were right. You were 100% right, Charlie. Had the wrong team. You had the wrong team, but you didn't think it was going to be a blowout. <laughs> told you Trent, we it's 10 be. to 1. It's 9 to nothing. Uh-huh. It was um, 16 from the four, outset. 29-10? Yes, from the outset. Was, yeah, it was a 19-point uh, advantage at one point. Uh, when Mitchell scores and got going early, and boy, he's a junkyard dog, isn't he? Well, I uh, reading the piece uh, last night from Matt Norlander, or actually early this morning. He, he published it at 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> That's what time that it came out. He, uh, he mentions in it, though, Davion Mitchell, as Baylor was announced first. Everyone's milling around after, and then Gonzaga. And he just stood there, stone-faced, just yeah, staring them right. down. He did. Just, just giving them I the read the piece, too. It's, it's a good piece by Norlander. It really is. You couple that with after the game, everybody jumping up mm-hmm. on the scores table. Yeah. And you could tell this was... They were sick of hearing how much better Gonzaga mm-hmm. was. and Two th- hours before, they just knocked off their opponent by 19, and nobody was talking about it. We talked about... Having that first game that was taken away five months, four months before, 
if that would have happened, I, I think we would have seen a better championship game last night. I think that it would have opened the eyes of Gonzaga understanding just how good, how physical, how yeah. tough this team is yeah. because they were hit by bus blindside. I yeah. mean, they, they just they were not ready to go, and that is all credit to Baylor. Baylor came out there. They out-physicaled them. Mm-hmm. They out-toughed them. Mm-hmm. The intangible things, the things that you can't, yeah, you can measure what you bench press. You, you can do those kind of things, but the intangibles all seem to be in the corner of Baylor. They just dominated them, and nice. they did what they do. They shoot the ball incredibly well. Yep. They were Offensive rebounds. They, Mark Vidal had eight on his own. And I was so happy to see that. You remember Mark Vidal early in his career, and, and there were people saying, yeah, he's undersized, but that guy's got a chance to play in the league. Mm-hmm. For all intents and purposes, right. that's because of the injury. He's not the same explosive guy that he uh-huh. was when he was 19 years old. But to see that, to stick around oh. like he did with all the tough times that he had, maybe more than anybody, I was happy to see that. Jared Butler. You know the story of Jared Butler the first time he met Scott Drew? No. He was 13 years old. He was at a high school basketball game for the school that he went to. Mm-hmm. He was not a varsity player at that point. In fact, he was a chubby kid. But he said, I knew hey, that part of it because I read that this morning. That's Scott Drew. And his dad said, well, go talk to him. And he was really nervous, and he finally did and said, I'm going to play for you someday. Is that right? And he played for him five huh. years later and is now on his way to the NBA. And just you get guys from UNC Asheville and Presbyterian, mm-hmm. and that's how you build a roster. And this is not the Baylor early in Scott Drew's tenure where they were getting McDonald's All-Americans. They're getting good players, but they're not getting consensus top 10 guys nationally to go to Baylor. Well, you you remember the whispers around the oh, Baylor program yes. when he was there getting those whispers, McDo- right? When he was getting those McDonald's. Well, how's he doing? Who's mm-hmm. going to Baylor? Yep. I mean, you don't get those kids in Waco. Uh, who's his bag man? Dot dot dot. Well, I don't know if he had one or not, but what I do know is he had a hell of a basketball team last night, and Teague and Vital and uh, Butler um, and those two kids off the bench, Flagler and Meyer, just terrific players, and they never gave Gonzaga a chance to win the basketball game. They just never allowed them to do anything that they wanted to do. Drew Timmy looked average. Kispert, who had a bad couple of games, looked average. Suggs in foul trouble early in the game certainly didn't help um, Gonzaga's chances. I'm not sure it would have made a difference. Chamo Chachua coming from off the bench and having the impact he had on the game. Trenta wasn't even close. It really and truly wasn't even close. I mean, this is a team in the Baylor Bears that swept through the Final Four with a combined... Uh, aggregate of 35 points to the plus. Beat Houston by 19, followed it up by pounding the unbeaten uh, Gonzaga squad by 16 points. Remarkable. Thinking big picture, going back 18 years ago, and they showed uh, going into that last TV timeout, Scott Drew at his introductory press conference, conference, which is incredible. Right. To to take that job, he after. didn't believe what he said, Trent. He couldn't have believed it. What they were coming out of, there's no way in hell he thought that this was going to happen. They were not allowed to play non-conference games right. one year. Right. This was a program decimated because there was a murder a in murder their midst inside of the program. There was and the a coach m- tried to cover it up. Dave Bliss, right, tried. and threw the deceased player under mm-hmm. the bus and tried to get his mom to throw him under the bus. It's just remarkable. The to think that even the heights that Scott Drew had attained before this group, mm-hmm. the, these last couple of years, because they're really good last yeah, year. Yeah, they, they have. They, they right. could have won a national title yep. last year, but we didn't get it. But even getting Baylor to two elite eights before that, I never thought that could happen. <laughs> Baylor, I, I, right? It's Baylor. Right. It is 
a small private university mm-hmm. in Texas when you're going against the behemoths that you're going up against. Yeah, there's a lot of players in Texas, but still. You're in Waco. You're in Waco, right. right. It, it's it's not Dallas. It's not Houston. Right. It, it's it's Waco. It's a small town in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. and we've talked to many people that have been there. Not exactly glowing reviews no. coming out of that place, but they had the right guy. Yeah. And I'll say. To say that, though, I thought they hit their height. I hit when they got to the lead eight, what, Duke one year? I can't remember who they played in the other. But that was about it. You know, that's that's where they are. Mm-hmm. To win a national championship. Every now and then they'll get to the second right. weekend and maybe win the first game of the yeah. second weekend before they get knocked up. But a national yeah. championship yeah. and not a fluky one. Oh, God, no. This is not UConn, right. you know, going on a run at the end of the season right. back seven, eight years ago. This is not what it is. This mm. is a team, and without the COVID pause... They very well could be undefeated. Could be, Trent, because they came. Iowa State pushed them, then Kansas beat them. Uh, and then a couple of weeks later, what Oklahoma State picked them off mm-hmm. uh, in Stillwater. Those were the two losses. Yeah, they struggled coming out of the COVID pause. And I remember we talked about it the, the day after the Iowa State game, that Baylor thought that they were going to take the floor, and they thought that they were the same team coming out of COVID as going into it. And they said as much. They but weren't. But they clearly weren't. No, no. Um, but it didn't take them long. It took them a while. Kansas, the, the what, Iowa State played them, I don't know, Tuesday or Wednesday. It was a that's, Tuesday. So that's Saturday. Three days later, they end up in Lawrence, and, and Kansas beats them. A couple of weeks later, Oklahoma State beats them, and then all of a sudden it started to click again. Mm-hmm. And it clicked in Kansas City, and it carried over into Indianapolis. And what we saw last night was was a coronation of basketball's best team. Um, I don't know if these two teams play again tonight. If if Baylor would uh, route them as they did last night, oh, I would I pick them. So. I, I, I would so. pick them. You would. I would. Yeah, absolutely. See, I, and I, I still wouldn't. I think one game against them would have changed the dynamic that much. I'm not sure Gonzaga wants to play them again after they got beat up last night. The other thing is you get a different crew. That crew allowed them to play very You know what? Can, I'm so glad you brought that up. The Final Four mm-hmm. was pretty well officiated. You thought so, huh? I don't recall... I, yeah, was, there's missed calls in every game. Yes, that's every basketball. game. It's basketball, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't recall. And correct, I'm I'm willing to be corrected if I'm wrong, as I always am. But I don't recall an egregious. Oh my God, this is a game changing sure, yeah. moment in the game. We could have seen it with the with the block charge mm-hmm. uh, against UCLA. We didn't. Um, and like I said yesterday, if they would have went the other way, I wouldn't have been freaking out. See, I would have been PO'd but understood it because mm-hmm. it's usually that way. Uh, I, I thought it was pretty well officiated. I just hate Bo Borowski maybe so much. And he's <laughs> yeah. the one that made the first call against J- Jalen Suggs. He gets the second very quickly. Mm-hmm. And they're getting blitzed right like that. Yeah. But a different crew. Maybe that physicality, that handsy defense that Baylor can play. Mm. You call a couple of those whistles early and They're say, so quick, Trent. Get your hands off of them. Yeah. That changes the way that they play. Maybe. They're not, in my mind, 16 points better than no, Gonzaga. No, I don't. I agree with you there. Gonzaga, we saw them at their worst offensively. Uh-huh. Baylor had, had a, a lot ton to, to do, do with it. Yes, yeah. Don't, don't tell me, Trent. They had an off night? <laughs> that they did. There's a whole bunch of off night. I mean, that's Mitchell's nickname, uh-huh. is off night. But it could have been a lot of guys' nickname last night because there was a lot of Gonzaga players that had the air quote, off night. I want to take you a, a different direction, staying with this game, but broadening it to the Big 12. And what this means now, having the second national championship for the 14 straight years of Kansas. It was mm-hmm. Kansas and everybody else. Right. And, and through so many of those years... The Big 12 was the best league in the country, but it was never 
I never thought got the national notoriety mm-hmm. outside of Fran Pichilla. Right. And Who, by the way, I'm glad you brought him up just real quick because I don't forget. Do you remember maybe January? And I'm sure you can find it on Twitter. Fran Fischilla called Vital out. Oh, really? Called him out yeah. on Twitter and said he's not playing well. He's better than this. I'm, and this was... After a game? Mm-hmm. I'm not even sure it was a game for Shilla did. But anyways, yeah, he called Vital out, and Vital took it personally and elevated his game. But go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt. That, that's okay. You know, The Big Fre- 12. The Freya for Shilla, yeah. Right. He's always talking about how great he right. is. Right, and they didn't get the respect nationally. Well, because they're not Duke, or they're not North Carolina, or they're not the Big Ten. And it was just Kansas and everybody else, uh-huh. even as West Virginia has had uh-huh. great teams. Right. Baylor's had a lot of really Iowa State's good had teams. great teams. Iowa State's had great teams. And you go through the list here. I just never felt like it got because Kansas had elevated itself to another level as mm-hmm. everybody else, mm-hmm. even as everybody else has had good teams. Mm-hmm. As Kansas State has been too an elite. Yeah, right. You know, we, we we go through all these different squads and what they've been able to do. Everyone short of TCU basically has had that kind of run. I think this helps the conference as a whole and just maybe that thought process that the national people maybe fall into from time to time because you have the depth of the Blue Bloods in the ACC Mm -hmm. with Duke and Carolina, and you can go even deeper than that. When you talk about the Pac-12, it's not just UCLA, what Oregon has done the last decade. Well, I think the Pac-12 is going to have a lot more eyeballs on it when Mm -hmm. college basketball resumes next year. And USC, what they've been able to do, and Enfield Uh building that program up. You have that. The depth of the Big Ten, though they've only won one national championship in the last now, what is it, 21 years? They have had, I believe... Eight different yeah, teams. Yeah, Michigan State, right? Eight different teams that have mm-hmm. played in the national championship game and gone to a Final Four. So you have all these different things. And, and the depth argument for the Big 12, it changes and shows you just how good this league is. And it's not just Kansas and everybody else. There's another team that can win a national championship. Uh, absolutely. And who knows what Beard's going to do with Texas. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling that their arrow is going to be pointing up very quickly. Hopefully TJ can get Iowa State back to relevance again here. It's going to be tough. You know, it's, it's an uphill climb. I'm with you. Trent, if there was a there was a time that if it was a Big 12 game and a Big 10 game and it didn't involve Iowa or Iowa State and I'm just watching a game because mm-hmm. I know that one of the local teams are going to – I'm going to watch the Big 12 school. Last couple of years, if that's the scenario, every single time I'm watching the Big 10 game. I just – for whatever reason, the Big Ten, I enjoy that brand of basketball more. Physic- physical, a little mm-hmm. bit physical. But what we saw at Baylor last night yeah. was an incredibly physical, tough, hard-nosed, whatever cliche you want to use. That's what we got. They were quicker to the basketball. They guarded the you-know-what out of you. They never gave Gonzaga any space at all. Those, those cutting plays that Gonzaga is known for, they weren't there. Those lanes were clogged up last night. Baylor just played defense to another level, and it was so fun to watch. The thing that was difficult as a whole in the Big 12 for me this year is it felt like I could never get a feel. Oklahoma State had looked really good for a week, and then just awful. Texas Tech, I had a couple of futures tickets on them Mm -hmm. to get to a Final Four because they looked really good, Mm -hmm. and then they looked like crap for a week and a half. West Virginia, and on and on and on. So many of those teams in that next tier, Kansas. How many times do we say, boy, they don't look like Kansas, right. and not only that, they're they're not real good. And then, well, they beat Baylor, and just on and on and on. That was for me, I think the most difficult part. I like to I like to be able to kind of tier teams and know almost what I'm getting. Upsets are fun, but I like to still at least have a, a good baseline. It felt like I could never get a good baseline for really everybody short of Baylor and Iowa State this year. Yeah. Teams two through nine, <laughs> right? It, it was tough. One in ten, you had them pegged, did right. you? Right. <laughs> 
Ah, uh, fun game. Well, now it's over, uh, and now we begin the uh, the march to the NBA, uh, the NBA draft, and draft eligibility, and who's leaving, and who's coming back, and. Um, I mean, there's no way Mitchell comes back. There's no way in hell Butler comes back. Mm -hmm. Um, As far as Gonzaga, Suggs is a for sure, no doubt about it. He might be the the first pick in the draft. Cunningham is up there on that list. Uh, Probably top five. There's a G League guy that I know has been talked about and bandied about. Mobley's got to be on the list somewhere. Mobley's on that list. Uh, But top five is where I've been. He's a cut below, at least in NBA scouts. Still Cade Cunningham's a pretty big step above him. I think Mobley, just because he's a big, right. is above him. Three's not best case scenario, but maybe three through five is the most likely scenario for Suggs. What, what about you, Timmy? What, what about his future? He was abused in pick and rolls and, and in, yeah, in the he NBA. Slow last night. Yeah, you can't do. It. He's got a decision. He could go and probably be a second round pick, right? Or he comes back and he pulls a Luca Garza. Uh-huh. Your preseason national player of the year. Mm-hmm. You go out do things that. Haven't been done, yada, yada, yada. Because Mark Few's got two, just uh, apparently, the number one overall big man in the country. Chet and the number one Is that who it is? Kid from Minnesota. Yeah. Okay. And he's, he's also a, got... A seven-footer that uh, handles it like a guard. And I'm not being facetious. You need to Google Chet Holger. You where's will, he from? Is he from the Twin Cities? Yeah. You will be amazed by this really? young man. Well, so he's got him, and then he's got the number one overall player in the country that's headed to Gonzaga. Well, they have Hunter Salas, and depends on what ranking list. He was that's He's number kid. six in the consensus list. He's not a point guard. He is not Jalen Suggs. He is a combo guard. He is more of a two guard okay. than anything. Volume score, big time athlete, really, really good player. So yeah, you throw those two guys in the mix. Now, Holmgren has not officially committed yet. But almost everybody anticipates that's where he's going to be. And they got another top 50 player coming mm-hmm. in. And you look at that bench, they have four guys that were consensus top 50 players that didn't play. Nope. That weren't part of the rotation. Yep. They're going to be just fine. For Gonzaga, though, with this team and everybody they have. I saw Jeff Goodman has him preseason number one. Next year already? Yes. <laughs> it is top 25. We'll, we'll go through a couple of uh, teams with... With Midwest ties here in a moment, but so uh, you got me thinking now. Yeah. Who's, the, what's the, who's the team with the Midwest ties that's going to be ranked the highest? Um, give me a minute, and go finish your point. But with that, when we get to next year, because I was a believer in the Zags team, uh-huh. I, I thought this was the one that was going to cut it down, and I thought so many times in the past it was unfair. Oh, they just play in the WCC, mm-hmm. and very quickly people dismiss them. They were shot away from winning a national championship four years ago. Yeah, this is a right. program that right. has elevated themselves, mm-hmm. and now they're recruiting at a level a step up from even what they were at that point. The as a whole, you can tell inside that organization just how well run they are mm-hmm. and how good Mark View. Seeing those kids come together after the game and that huddle, that was team. That was camaraderie. That yeah. is, those are Did things you, see you don't it was see. Leading, it was Timmy. It was yeah, absolutely and. Maybe some unfinished business for him. Well, you it makes you wonder. That's the that's what I was thinking of as well. All right, so the Midwest teams. Do, do you have him? For, I, I have to think that. Well, Michigan, Ohio State, Ohio State is they're number two. Michigan's got to be on the list. Michigan is a little bit further down. Let's see where we get to Michigan. You get number 12. Really? It's further down. So, they, so he must have Wagner going to the draft. Yes, that's and one of And I think of that's fair to assume he will. Right. And if Livers goes too, yeah. you know. Brooks, so there's a Midwest team that I'm missing? Well, Ohio State's number two. Yeah. There are two other Big Ten teams in the top five. UCLA's number three. Okay. And Chris Smith, we'll see if he comes Purdue? back off the ACL. Purdue is. 
Number four. Okay. They are number four and number five. This is the one that really surprised me. Illinois, no. Nope. Iowa, no. Minnesota, no. Mm-hmm. Northwestern, no. Mm-hmm. Um, Not Rutgers. Go- no. As close as they were. Right. G- I'll give it to me. I don't know. It's Maryland. Wow. Did you see, well, Maryland had a really good weekend. They did. Trend. So Wiggins, Wiggins is anticipated to be back. Ayala, who, mm-hmm. another guy. Inconsistent, yep. but when he's yep. good, yep. he's really good. Dante Scott, another inconsistent guy, but he can put it together. But here's the thing. They bring in the Wahab kid from Georgetown, seven footer. Mm-hmm. I know some Hawkeye fans were hopeful that eh, that wasn't happening. He leaves Georgetown after averaging thirteen and eight last year, and then they get Fats Russell from Rhode Island. Who, if you watch a ten basketball or bet on it, like some people maybe <laughs> here, Fats Russell uh, turns it over a ton. But when he gets going, he can score in bunches. He is a a shoot first point guard. Likes to have the ball All in right. his hands, but he is really, really good when he gets going. So you're right. Transfer market has been really yeah. and good. And Turchin just re-upped. Yep. Kansas at number six. We'll go through the Big Ten and Big Twelve. Okay. Uh, Duke at seven. Bama eight. Florida State nine. Baylor at number ten. And then we go through, as said, Michigan at number twelve. You have St. Bonaventure at sixteen. They return everybody from a tournament team. Oregon, sorry, Hawkeye fans are at 17. Michigan State at number 18. Uh, a little bit deeper here. West Virginia at 23. Those are the Big Ten. And this is Goodman's guys. list? Yep, this is Jeff Goodman from and Stadium. Stadium. Yep. Is it Watch Stadium or just the Stadium? Sure. Just, yeah, one of the two. All right, uh, so a, a fun night. Uh, not uh, what anybody saw coming, and I think that's fine. Mm-hmm. You know what? I we we I, I we hoped uh, that we were going to see an instant classic. What we saw is a, is a coronation of a Baylor team who absolutely deserved last night. And I think if they played again tonight, I would. No, I would bet Baylor with an uh, with an extreme amount of confidence. You in, would. In this game. I would. Uh, if they I'd grab the points because they'd be getting points. They would be, but they're also beat up from last night's game, Trenton. <laughs> I'll take Baylor because I don't think Gonzaga. So. I want to just just throw this out there because we mentioned it yesterday, um, and did you hear Grand Hill during the game when when uh, the Leitner shot mm-hmm. uh, they beat Kentucky, then they had to come back. Was it Indiana that they played the following game? That sounds right. Because Grand Hill mentioned it that they came out totally flat in that game uh, because of the just the emotion uh, of the of the of the play, which is an all timer, which we saw on Saturday night was an all timer. Uh-huh. I don't want to make that excuse for, for Gonzaga. Yeah, they might have been a little bit flat, but you know what? Better was just a whole lot better. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't want to you know come across as making an excuse, and I don't think Grant Hill was. Uh, I, I think he was just pointing it out there as a point of fact. But Beller just took it to him from the from the opening tip. Never gave them a chance. Nine nothing. Nine one. Ten one. And it got worse from there. Trent, there was a time in the second half where the Zags cut it to what nine. Yep. And within the next minute, it was 16 again. Yeah. And any hope, if you had a Gonzaga ticket or you wanted to see the unbeaten season, at that point, all hopes were dashed because, boom, just when you thought it was going to be a close game, Baylor opens it up and it was a 16-point lead again. I'm looking uh, at some notes from that 1992 game. So who did they play after? It was Indiana. Yeah. And there were 33 fouls called in that game against the Hoosiers, including a TM Bobby Knight. It was a three-point game. 81-78 was the final. Uh, Ted Valentine did not referee wow. a Indiana game for a long time. Is that right? That and, that, and that's what that was the game that you can pinpoint to. Uh... Leitner was one of six in the first half. Uh, missed 
two front ends of one and ones mm-hmm. in the first half after making 20 free throws in a row Jeez. going into it. I think that takes a little something out of you. Yeah. It's well, not a stretch. Uh, Grant Hill said it on the and he, I don't think he was making an excuse when he said that. He, he was just putting it out there as a, as a point of fact. <laughs> Poppy Knight. Valentine's officiating was the greatest travesty, travesty I've ever seen in basketball in 33 years as a college head coach. <laughs> he was uh, entertaining, <sighs> if nothing else, right? 31-6 run during that game. After Indiana led by 12. All right, 10-25. We're going to switch gears entirely, although not in, not completely because uh, Frank Schwab does cover sports wagering mm-hmm. at yahoosports.com, so we'll uh, touch on that as well. Uh, obviously, the um, um, Carolina made some moves yesterday. It sounds as though if you're Carolina, if you're the Panthers and you're drafting number eight and you just spent, what, a six this year and a two and a four next year right. and you get Sam Darnold, first of all, do you like the move? I think you have to do it. I mean, what do you have to lose? A second and four. Yeah, but don't forget, Ryan Tannehill's the example of Adam Gase, right? Yeah, yeah. And and Gase just ruined Tannehill. Mm -hmm. And look what happened when he got away from him. Will Darnold. I think you have to take that chance. I I still believe there's talent left. I think there's a guy that can become an above-average quarterback still in this league. I think the arm talent is still good enough, and... I know I've told you this before. It still really bothers me. The Monday Night Football mics that caught him going to his coaches yeah, and saying, yeah. I'm seeing ghosts out there. Right, and right. people went crazy that, about nuts, it. Yep. Quarterbacks say that all the time. Right. John Elway it, lined up to, under the right guard in his rookie year. Yes. It, it wasn't his first game. <laughs> That's just something that it's a term that uh-huh. is used. Right. It is when... You think that there is a defender right. near you, it's and you the step NFL up in the trend. Yeah, or you think that there's a guy out in coverage that isn't there. It's defensive coordinators, right? That's what they do. These guys are pretty good. Yes, but people made this I out to be it. this indictment yep. that Sam Darnold is an idiot, mm-hmm. that he'll never have a chance. Mm-hmm. No, 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 He's no, no. Scared. It it showed me more than anything. There was a lot of people out there that don't know crap about football that were commentating on yeah. it because. When I saw that and I saw the direction it was going, that was frustrating. I'm and I remember I'm, that. I'm rooting for Sam Darnold because of mm-hmm. that. Now, what happens to Teddy? I think they compete because he's owed a big chunk of money. I don't know yeah. how you can get out from under that guarantee. Who do you like of those two? You you have you to make what? your pick I'm, right now. I would I would be rooting for Teddy Bridgewater because of the circumstances in Minnesota. You're hard not to root right. for, right? Yep. Um, who do I think of? <laughs> You have to make the pick right now. Sorry, it's April 6th, but you got to name your quarterback. I think I'd rather have Drew Locke. <laughs> no, you wouldn't, would you? I, well, I don't know. Hasn't worked out real well no, so far. No. All right, uh, Frank Schwab will join us next. Miller and Condon with you until noon. Uh, coming up in hour number two, Iowa State conversation with Michael Swain, James Fagan on uh, on the White Sox. We thought we were going to have Scott Dockman today because we can't do one of the locals without the others. But uh, the Hawkeye football players, uh, the media availability is, well, right now, um, 10.45, I think, to be precise. So Doc is going to join us tomorrow, as will David Kaplan. That should be good. Did you watch any baseball yesterday? Your twins just routed. Yeah, I listened to a little bit of that on the radio, and Nelson Cruz, he is worth the price of admission. If you're not a Twins fan... We had a Grand Slam taken away from him by replay. (laughs) Down the right field line. Right, and it just came out and parked one in the... And it barely got out, but it got out. So... The one that was called foul. Did you think it was foul? I, I didn't. I, I still don't know. Because the radio crew with, with Gladden, they thought it ticked 
the foul pole. Did they? they? They thought that there was contact. And I heard somebody say that on the TV broadcast, Bremer and Morneau were kind of, eh, we just really can't tell. That, that They were, and that's yeah. kind of where I was as well. But then, you know what, it was moot point because <laughs> what he did, yeah. and then he, Goes, uh, for good measure, comes instead. back and just crushed one later. And Shoemaker? Yeah, that dude, he's got he was some dealing. stuff. He was dealing. You know who else is dealing? Cubs pitchers. All right. No, they were. All right. I, I get it. Um, but the bullpen's been good. The yes. starters, without, with the exception of Kyle Hendricks, have uh, been good. And he goes tomorrow. Do you know tomorrow? There are everybody plays tomorrow. Fifteen games in Major League Baseball tomorrow. Love that. Thirteen day games. That's overkill. Thirteen. That's too day many games. There's two games tomorrow night. Two. Thirteen during the day. Are you sure? I'm positive. I'm looking right now. I'm positive. Cubs play at six forty. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. No, that's today. Tomorrow. Oh, you're right. Holy crap. Two night games. There's two, and one and of them is five thirty. Yeah, and the other one's in the mountain time zone or the Pacific? Mountain. Colorado, Colorado, right? Colorado, yeah. Anyways, Frank Schwab. We'll get to him next. Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO 1061. All right, welcome back as uh, we continue on here just past 1030 on a Tuesday. It's Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO and 106.8. FM dial is promised. Let's get to Frank Schwab, yahoosports.com. We'll get into O Sports wagering and, of course, the NFL uh, with Frank from Yahoo Sports. But we have to start. He's an alumni of uh, the University of Wisconsin, and uh, Barry Alvarez is has announced his retirement. Frank, as always, thank you for finding time for us. Just uh, you know, a thought or two on what Frank, uh, what Barry Alvarez meant uh, for that Wisconsin program. I mean, honestly, it's. It's hard to understate it, like it's, or hard to overstate it. Whatever I'm trying to say is, he was just to say he meant everything to that program, <laughs> to to the entire athletic program is is just, it's true. I, I mean, when he got there, and I'm, you know, Wisconsin fans all know this, but not everybody does. Not everybody remembers it. When he got there in 1990, Wisconsin was talk of the Big Ten, them and Northwestern, and that's football basketball. I mean, the basketball team hadn't been to an NCAA tournament since 1947. The mm. football team had never won a Rose Bowl and barely ever won or had a winning season. They were coming off back-to-back one in ten seasons. And they were just hemorrhaging money. And he comes in, and he has the famous line they played at every Wisconsin home game I saw the last time I went. He says, you know, if, if you want to get season tickets, you better do it now because pretty soon you're not going to be able to get any. And it was just an amazing line at an introductory press conference for a football program that had won two games in two years. And he was right. Uh, by, by 1993, when, you know, they w- it, which is still like I think Wisconsin fans of a certain age would still tell you that season was the most special of them all. They've had great players, great seasons since then. Barry took them to a Rose Bowl, first time they'd ever won it. This great story. And that kind of started, you know, the, the, and you know how football drives the bus. We can't mm-hmm. we can't sit here and say, you know talk about the success of you know even the the hockey program, the women's hockey program, the men's basketball program. All these programs, you know, it doesn't happen without the football team having wins, filling the stadium, making money, becoming a brand, and that's what Barry Alvarez did. Not to mention all the things he did, you know, after being a football coach as the athletic director. I it's just it's. Without what Barry Alvarez did from you know, 1990 to, I believe it was 2007 when he retired as football coach, 
uh, you know, nothing. The, the, the basketball team's not a perennial top 25 team. Football team's not a perennial top 25 team. Uh, the, the, the Camp Randall Stadium is not renovated like it is. The Cole Center might not be built. None of this stuff happens without Barry Alvarez. Mm. Here, of course, Iowa State fans, a little concerned. Jamie Pollard, who worked in those offices, uh, what, about uh, 20 years ago, maybe he would be. Any names that make sense? He signed a contract extension. I- I've seen Troy Vincent bandied about. He uh, executive VP of football relations for the NFL. Any other names that make a lot of sense? I haven't really looked at the candidates, but I remember Pollard from when I, I was even there. and mm-hmm. He was always uh, a kind of important name within the uh, within the program, you know, within the athletic department. And I'm sure that I feel the call will be made. I, I don't know if he's willing to leave, wants to leave, whatever, but I think he makes a lot of sense. Troy Vincent has been such a, I mean, he, he's been such a high profile alum and he's held that job, but I don't, I don't necessarily know. Would you want to leave an EVP job in the NFL mm. to come to the University of Wisconsin? I, I just, these are, these are answers I really don't have. So I, I don't know. I, I don't have my finger on the pulse with what, you know, the inner workings of the athletic department, not to give you a great candidate, but yeah, it's one of the, but now it's become one of the premier jobs in, in America as far as the athletic directors go, and I, I don't think they'll have any problem at all filling that spot. Uh, Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports. NFL in a second, uh, Frank, and I want to pick your brains on the quarterbacks because this is going to be fascinating uh, here in the in the first 10 picks in the draft. Uh, with that in a second, just sports wagering, which you also cover extensively at yahoosports.com. Uh, of course, the tournament uh, is, is over as of last night. Baylor victorious. Um, that had to be a good result for the books as far as futures, right? I have to assume that they were upside down on Gonzaga going all the way back to when they first posted uh, the numbers uh, for this season. Oh, I mean, phenomenal for the books in that regard. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen – oh, it's rare anyway. I shouldn't have never seen it. But it's rare to see a team get as much money in the futures market as Gonzaga did. They were at one point – this was, uh, you know, last time I really checked in with them on it – 33.5% of all money bet on who would win the NCAA championship was on Gonzaga. Mm. And there were a lot of 8-1 to one tickets out there from when it opened, a lot of, you know, 4-1, to 5-1. to one. Yeah, it, Obviously, the odds kept going down, but people kept betting Gonzaga. They were the biggest liability for the books by far. And even though, you know, they, they took a couple $300,000 bets on Baylor last night, and I checked in with their, you know, the sportsbook director over there. And he said, no, no, even with those bets, we still needed Baylor to win. <laughs> and so that, I mean, everybody was betting Gonzaga. And I, I guess a pushback, I said this on Twitter last night, but I believe it. Look, the NCAA tournament is hard. Uh, we have seen now, time after time, including my Wisconsin team in 2015, the best team is not guaranteed to win. Far from it. You could be 1991 UNLV, Duke, 2015 Kentucky, this Gonzaga team. If you're betting really, really low odds on a favorite because you think there's some lock to go through the tournament, it's a, it's hard to win six games. It really is. And I think we saw that, again, with this Gonzaga team, barely escaping the, the Final Four, obviously, getting blown out in a championship game. I still, as I sit here today, and I know this sounds dumb to a lot of people, but I still think Gonzaga was the best college basketball team in the season of 2020-21. They just had a bad, bad game. I, I don't think Baylor beats them 10 out of 10 times by any means. But on the right night, Baylor was the best team and they deserved the championship. They were a great team too. So, I think that, you know, just a reminder when, you know, you're filling out your bracket pools next year, when you're when you're making, you know, bets on futures and all that. If there's an overwhelming favorite everybody's saying is a lock, there are no locks. And it's just another, it's just another example of this great, great Gonzaga team that's going to end up you know, one step short of a championship. 
Talking with Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports. Frank, let's jump into the NFL. The news from yesterday has been traded as he'll move to the Carolina Panthers. And, uh, you know, what's left for Sam Darnold? It feels like a lot of times we throw these young guys out there way too early or give up on them way too early. Do you still have a belief that Sam Darnold can become a top-half quarterback in this league? I don't. I don't think that that... Look, it's really, really rare for a guy to go from being the worst quarterback in the league, which I think Sam Darnold was last year, to being good, at which top-half would be. I don't see it. I don't see it at all with him. And every single argument I've heard in favor of Sam Darnold doing what you just said Every single 100% of them all surround what Adam Gay stunk as a coach. Yeah. I need a little bit more than that. I know Adam Gay stunk as a coach. He's a bad football coach. But that doesn't mean Sam Darnold doesn't also stink. Like he's, <laughs> he, it's, it's possible both things are true. And Sam Darnold has shown absolutely nothing on the NFL level so far through 38 starts. It's, uh, to, to assume that, you know, everybody brings up Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill was not bad with the Miami Dolphins. Wasn't great. But he was a competent NFL quarterback. He was, yeah, he's hurt a little bit, but he at least, at least there were some seeds. He didn't have to go from, you're not going, trying to go from, uh, like Sam Darnold is like a two out of 10 to a, a eight out of 10. He was more like a five out of 10 to an eight out of 10. It's, it's a big leap we're expecting Sam Darnold to make if, if you're expecting him to be a top half quarterback. I don't think he can make it. He's shown no signs that he can. The only reason we would assume he can is because, again, why well, Adam Gates stinks as a head coach and the Jets are a bad organization. I agree with those things, but I need Sam Darnold to kind of stand on his own a little bit in this argument. He can't. There's, there's nothing right now. But I don't think Carolina paid a ton. They paid more than I would have, but I think that it's, it's at least a worthwhile gamble to see. Like Maybe he is one of those guys who the coaching situation was, was so bad and he's still a young guy that he can turn things around. I just don't see any evidence of it. And until further notice, I'm going to be on the, the you know the side that you know, Sam Darnold just can't play. He's just not a, a competent NFL starting quarterback, and he, he's going to kind of have to prove otherwise. Uh, Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports is our guest. Frank, the uh, the quarterbacks, and there may be five of them going the first ten picks. Fascinates me. I believe the draft starts at number three with San Francisco, who's moved up now uh, to take that pick. So help us out. Uh, Mac Jones seems to be uh, the the quarterback that a lot of people are pointing to, uh, that this is going to be who John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have identified. Do you believe that Mac Jones will go third overall at this point, Frank? I do, because... It's almost one of those things where San Francisco really doesn't have any reason to lie right now. Like, they don't have any reason. What, what point would there be in them putting out the smoke screen? Like, it's not them saying they want to draft Mac Jones is not going to change any of the top two picks. Don't anybody to trade up. They've already traded up themselves. What, what are they going to do, trade back? Like, that would be bananas. So, once we start hearing smoke like this from a team that it really has nothing to gain, I think it's, it's true. Like, it, it, it reminds me so much of Arizona the year they drafted Kyler Murray, and Kyler Murray was not the number. We you know I don't know if people misremember or forgot or whatever, but or maybe they do remember that Kyler, Kyler Murray was not the number one pick. He was going into the off season, nobody had him at number one, and then all of a sudden we get out of the combine. And it's like yeah, the Arizona Cardinals drafted Kyler Murray number one, and I was even skeptical. Like really, Kyler Kyler Murray, and it just but the Arizona had no reason to lie in this. This reminds me a lot of that, and that you know, once once you start hearing smoke like this, it's probably true. You know, I, not to get too inside baseball on all this, but 
Adam Schefter covered Mike Shanahan. He knows Kyle Shanahan really well. Yep. If Adam Schefter is saying he'd be shocked if Mac Jones doesn't go number three, I'm assuming he has pretty good sources on that. Let's put it that way. Excellent. So, you know, so I, would I do it? No. I don't think Mac Jones has the ceiling to be the number three pick, and I definitely would have, wouldn't have traded up to get what he did to get to go up and get him. But I think at this point we just have to assume Mac Jones is the quarterback of three because there's no reason for them to put out a weird smoke screen here. All right, so then there's two left, and, and Atlanta's sitting at four, and Matt Ryan's not getting any younger, and I, and they, for whatever reason, they don't. Uh, there's no quarterback association with the draft when it comes to Atlanta. It seems like they're going to go in a different direction, or maybe that pick uh, is is available. So where do Trey Lance and Justin Fields end up? I believe they're going to be in the top ten. Who who ultimately gets them? Yeah, and if, if Justin Fields isn't the fourth pick, I'd be blown away because. It would just be an organizational failure for the Falcons, either not drafting him when your quarterback is you know, probably getting up in age and not going to be around very much longer, or not trading back. I mean, the Denver Broncos, great example. The Denver Broncos need a quarterback. We all know that. Drew Locke probably is not the guy. He hasn't shown it. There's got to be some team, if not the Broncos, some team needing a quarterback who looks at Justin Fields as an elite prospect. A lot of people had him as a no-doubt number two for a long time. I, I think some draft boards still do have him as number two. To not move up with the Atlanta Falcons if they're not drafting a quarterback. To not move up with the Falcons, and for the Falcons not to move back, would just be a weird decision for me if I'm the Falcons. Like, no, no, we're just going to stay at four and draft an offensive lineman out of Oregon. No, 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 you can, you get, we saw what the San Francisco just paid to move up to three. The Falcons could restock a lot of areas. You don't just sit there number four and draft Devontae Smith or Penny Sewell. You just don't do it. You, you make a trade for some team desperate to move up and, or you draft the guy yourself. I, I Justin Fields at number four seems like a gift to me. I think he is a fantastic quarterback. It always, he, he fits the modern NFL. He fits what you want to do. I, I, I would take him at, no less than three, probably there'd be an argument at number two. And I think the Falcons are sitting in a great spot at number four with this weird 49ers move up to draft Mac Jones. We have, of course, this weird year where well, there's still FCS football going on right now. You have the draft process leading into it. No medical exams, no time in Indianapolis to get to know these guys outside of Zoom. Who has the advantage? Give me a handful of teams you think with the weird scouting year that we have that have an advantage going into the NFL draft. Oh, it's really interesting. I, I don't. I think we, we just look at the normal, you know, the, the the usual suspects, the teams that are well run, that that kind of understand the draft process, draft well every year. The Baltimore Ravens, the Patriots, mm-hmm. what? And not that the Patriots haven't missed draft picks, but you just look and it almost seems like when you know when there are challenges. It always seems like the best teams are going to have even a bigger advantage because the worst teams are going to screw it up. They're, it, 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 mistakes become more pronounced when you're dealing with challenges like we haven't been able to see medicals. We haven't been able to sit down face-to-face with guys and really see what makes them tick. I, I think maybe – I think there, there's a, there is a flip side to all this, and I think teams outthink themselves. I really do. And I, I thought this last year too, where you get so much time in the off season. And you don't want to just feel like you're wasting your time. So you start to not trust yourself on the film evaluation you've done. We have recency bias. You're going to go to pro days. You're going to go to the combine. You're going to fall in love with guys. And you're going to talk yourself into their tape being better than it is. 
I think in an offseason like this, when you're mostly just stuck sitting watching whatever tape you have of a guy, maybe that makes you a little bit sharper. You know, maybe it means less mistakes. Maybe it means, hey, we were, you know, we're drafting Prelance because what we saw on tape, not necessarily because of how he ran a three cone drill in Indianapolis or some wonderful interview he gave us, uh, you know, at our team facility. Maybe you're just drafting a guy on, oh, hey, what a novel concept on how well he plays football. <laughs> you know, I mean, so I think that it can work that way. I'm not sure it will work that way. But I, again, I think the best teams just get better when there's challenges like this because it just, you know, they can navigate this and they know, they know the process better than everybody. When I go back to, you know, Ravens. Uh, the Patriots, the Packers, or another Steelers, or another team—you just feel like those teams are going to make fewer mistakes because they make mistakes in general, and now it's going to be more pronounced. Frank Schwab, YahooSports.com. Frank, as always, thank you for doing this. Hopefully, your schedule allows to uh, catch up with you prior to the draft uh, one more time. Thank you, Frank. Always enjoy the conversation. Absolutely, I appreciate it. Yeah, good to talk to you, Frank Schwab, YahooSports.com. Let's get our time out, Trent. Come back, finish up our number one, our number two, a little Iowa State conversation, and then back into the regional local baseball teams, Chicago White Sox. Looking forward to that conversation at 11.25. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and 106. Today. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and now on 106.3 FM. This is KXNO. Where are you going here? This is Baylor's fight song. Not exactly the most iconic brand out there, is it? (laughs) Outside of Waco, no. No. I'm I'm guessing. I'm trying to think. I know I've heard it, but I don't remember it from actually Baylor. Remember it back in the day when playing NCAA football on PlayStation? And they'd have all the fight songs just on a loop playing through. That's about it. I thought it was the Twins. <laughs> oh, you, you know the Twins song. Well, I do. We're it's very jazzy. We're going to score. Watch that baseball soar. Yes. And it certainly did yesterday. Uh, looking forward to just sitting in my chair tonight and watching a little baseball. Not No Jets to interrupt it. No college basketball. Not that I wish there was. Of course I wish there was. Let's get a uh, hockey minute here. Your Jets still second? Uh, yes, I think they won. Well, I know they won last night, but I think they moved up into second. The Wild have continued to Trent, play really well. The Minnesota well. Wild are unbelievable. Yeah. And Joe O'Donnell, by the way, the voice of the Iowa Wild, did the broadcast last night radio-wise, and he's done a few of them. As we said last week, selfishly, I don't want him to go. Right. I think Joe O'Donnell's about to uh, achieve his dream. Uh, is the voice of an NHL team because he's had a bunch of call-ups this year rooting for him. He did the KFAN call last night. So last time we had Joe on, I started to dig into my hockey a little bit more, and I've watched a little, mostly wild at this point. But Mm -hmm. the one thing that jumped out to me with this year's format and the divisions, they're not catching, the wild are not catching Colorado. I'm not sure anybody's catching Colorado. Or Vegas. So you're going to more than likely have to go to Vegas for that seven-game series. So you don't think the Wild can catch uh, Vegas for the, for the I, second spot? When I first started doing it, no. But then, the way they continue to play. They're on, on, on home ice, they're unbelievable. Was it 12 straight? 12 or 13. Yeah. They're, they're on a real roll. And now they're only four back. When I first looked at it, I think they were like seven back at the time. Yeah. Like, yeah, they're not. Now they're only four back. And how many regular season games is it? 56. 56. So, yeah, there's still plenty of time. Uh, I think May the it was supposed to end on May the seventh, but they're backing it up now into that next week. 
this Vancouver story is huge. I get that it's a Canadian hockey yeah. team and, and nobody pays attention. Fill, fill people in, though, because Friend, I it's just like saw 20 it. players and coaches. Was it 23 was the number I saw. It, it might be this morning, and it's it's the... Um, I'm the variant? The variant that, uh, yeah, that everybody's concerned about mm-hmm. that has the, the high transmission rate. But they've shut down an entire organization. Uh, they were going to make the playoffs anyway, but they still had a lot of games left. And you know what I've really loved? I'll be honest. I'm always honest. And I hate when I say that. Um, the Canadian teams playing each other. Yeah. Trent, I've really enjoyed this. It, this, this has been special to me. I like the late night hockey. Mm-hmm. That fits into my schedule right. a lot better. Right. It's been a good hockey year. Yeah, it hasn't been bad. Hopefully this gets a lot better. Yeah. Go Jets, go. Hour number two, Iowa State Conversation kicks it off. Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM.